Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Raina Starr. Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this may not be the show for you. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Check out www.wickedwitchstudios, that's studios with an S, dot com. And get ready, because next month, May, it's Dorothy's birth month, so it will be here, the merry, merry month of Morrison. So, check it out. All right. As always, it's first Friday of the month, and you know what that means. My favorite pagan pundit, my only pagan pundit, the one, the only, the amazing writer, speaker, and good buddy of mine, Talison Govannon. Hey, Talison. Hey, 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 how's it going out there, everybody in Internet land? I'm speaking to you through all the tubes, because I don't know if you remember that meme, but the Internet is a series of tubes, and I'm talking to you mm-hmm. through the tube network to bring you news of Republicans biting themselves in the ass and lots of good, like, really weird shit going on in my writing. So uh, we've got stuff to entertain. We've got stuff to make uh, you giggle. Uh, we've got the, uh, oh, God, I can never pr- pronounce the goddamn German word, uh, express, uh, Scherenfreude or whatever, how, however you pronounce that. Schadenfreude. 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 Yes, indeed. Like, yeah. Love it. It's like, that, that's, <laughs> that's like the, the, the song that we're going to be singing about, you know, the, the first few months of the post-Trump era, you know, Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude, watch them fall down to Schadenfreude. We love to see them flame out like the closet queen. Some of them are. I'm sorry, Lindsay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So like, let's hear you what's know, going on with you before we launch yes. into everything else. Of course. Of course. Well, here we go, folks. Uh, I have got, of course, the all-new com is on the air, and it is where you can get all of my books. And uh, starting now, uh, we have a little thing uh, called the Sorcerer Saga Swag Pack. Uh, say that for Swag. Yes, right. Yes. Basically, so many people are loving the covers of both the Sorceress and the Witch, uh, books one and two in the Sorceress Saga, that not only do I have bookmarks designed for both of them, but I've also reproduced the covers on these nice postcard-sized uh, things and you know I just find it's it's a cool little thing it's the art it, you know especially if you buy the book on ebook and you don't have a physical representation of the art it looks really cool mm-hmm. and it's also it's also the kind of thing that you know if you have a work environment where you're allowed to put some personal stuff up there's nothing racy or scary or violent on there so you can even stick those up in a cubicle uh, I love the art I am so in love with this design house that I have hired to do the entire Sorceress Saga. So now we have the swag pack, which is two postcards, one for each book, and two bookmarks, one for each book. Uh, And normally that would be a $5 value when I start selling things individually, but right now they are in the swag pack for just $3. And uh, as a a matter of fact, uh, you can also get through talismg.com. I've just opened my store on the site for the first time, and now you can order a signed paperback copy of The Witch or The Sorceress with a single click of a button. And you pay through your PayPal, and everything works out uh, just wonderfully. Uh, And as a matter of fact, uh, the special sale I'm doing to celebrate the opening of the store is, well, right now, if you buy The Witch on Amazon, it's going to cost you 20 bucks. It's a thicker book than The Sorceress, and it just wound up 
being a little more expensive. But if you buy the book through talismg.com, you get it for $15. So you already get $5. Nice. And you get... And you get it for, with free shipping, just like you would if you were a Prime member. And also, you get it signed by the author. The personal touch, uh, however you know, however you like. And if you get the Witch mm-hmm. right now as a signed paperback for fifteen dollars, you get the swag pack for free. So you get the pack with the two postcards and the two bookmarks, uh, just as a way of saying thank you for ordering direct from the author. Because uh, I'll tell you, folks, if you have a favorite author out there. Always ask them if you can buy their book. If you want to buy a physical book, if you don't want the ebook mm-hmm. and you want an actual physical paper book, always ask the authors if you can buy it directly from them. Because when I sell mm-hmm. a copy for twenty bucks on Amazon, I make like maybe four bucks. If I sell it directly to the customer, I make a few more dollars and I can sell it cheaper to them. So everybody wins. But authors always make more off of our physical copies that we sell to you directly more than we do from our publisher or from Amazon if we're an indie. Uh, it's just the way the economics work on it. So if you have a favorite author, whoever it is, whether it, you know, Dorothy Morrison's written some great books. Uh, of course, Deborah Lip has written some fantastic books. Just go ahead mm-hmm. and send them a message on social media and say, hey, I want to buy your paperback. Can I get it directly from you? And a lot of us will say, yeah, sure, and this is how you do it. And mm-hmm. it's really a great way to support your favorite authors, no matter who they are. But you could uh, come on to talismg.com. You can read uh, free short stories. I've got the memoirs of Angelique Dupre up on the website, as well as, of course, the books in the Sorceress Saga. Uh, you can read synopses about them. Uh, there's all kinds of fun stuff on there. Uh, and, of course, uh, it's starting. I'm starting to sell some more copies. That's some more good news, because another thing I've done is when you buy the Sorceress on ebook now, it's just a dollar. It's 99 cents to buy the first book in the Sorceress Saga. And I did that so that way if you want to try the series and you want to try out the first book, you don't have a whole lot of risk in doing so. And I'll tell you, The Witch is only $2.99. Neither one of these is going to break the bank. But I've noticed a lot of people have been buying both. They've been buying the Sorceress and The Witch at the same time. Uh, and right now, mm-hmm. and folks, you can get into the series now because I'm working on The Queen, which is book three in the saga, as we speak. And uh, if you thought The Sorceress right. was fun, it gets even more pagan. It gets even more queer. I mean, it, we get into polyamory. Uh, in book four, we're going to have gender switching say. Uh, uh, Basically, they can change their physical gender representation at will. They are not born with a gender. So I'm going all kinds of exploring places in this saga, and it's a great time to get into it. So go to talismg.com. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Sounds great. Yes. Yes, and I That's still have amazing. so many other things. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be coming out with the first Trevor Hawkins uh, trilogy of novellas uh, over the summer. Uh, I'm still working on that book of pagan holiday stories, uh, for the family that is going to be put out through an actual publisher. So I have a publisher now. Uh, I've got a short Yay. story up for consider. Yeah, and I've, I've got a short story up for consideration in another anthology where they wanted to do a different take on romance. So I have a uh, lesbian superhero named the Crimson Ghost, and it's the story about how she meets her girlfriend, Penny. Uh, so it's, and it's got action, it's got atmosphere, it's got romance. I'm really hoping that I make the cut because that's something that I'm probably going to start working on next year. I'm going to start working on a completely different universe that will be like a parallel world to the Sorceress universe, but it's going to be a little grittier. Uh, I'm going to have one series that's going to be like Rizzoli and Isles meet the X-Files, so that will be fun. Uh, and just, you know, nice. all kinds of, you know, it's a little bit of a softer, you know, this is more of like a real world uh, universe because my superhero doesn't have, like, you know, nuclear-infused superpowers. She's just highly trained. She's like Black Widow or the Green Arrow or something like that. So there's so much stuff going on, and we're getting ready to sell my mom's house. We're going to get ready to buy a new place. We're going to be moving. Oh, yes, 2021 is off to a very busy start. But you know what? After 2020, I'll fucking take it. So (laughs) now we can move on. No doubt. Now we can move on to the entertainment portion of our evening. Uh, (laughs) Just do me a favor, uh, because I've been talking to some folks, and there have been some folks who are still a little bit reluctant about the vaccination. 
please give right. the encouragement. I'm asking all guests to do this. Please, please tell yeah. me of your experiences, what kind you got, your feelings about it, and all that. I got the Pfizer vaccine. I've gotten one dose so far. I'm going to get my second Fauci out tomorrow at 2 p.m. Uh, and I'll tell you, the first time I got it, uh, I got a sore arm um, for like two or three days. And on day number three, I was super tired and lethargic. And that's it. Sore arm and feeling okay. kind of tired for a day or two. And that's all I got. And you know what? Now I'm at about 84.5% immunity. After I get the second Fauci ouchie in a couple of weeks, I'll be at my full 95% immunity. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. then, then I can stop worrying about, uh, you know, scrubbing my hands after I bring the mail in and that kind of stuff. So that'll be a, kind of a nice, you know, return to not quite being so vigilant and paranoid. But I'll tell you, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. It's a real testament to science. I mean, this is something that this, this vaccine is proving resilient, folks. You know all those new strains you've been hearing about? Well, the Pfizer and Moderna yeah. vaccines have been found to be 90% effective in the wild, even against the new strains. So it's extremely mm-hmm. worth it. It costs you nothing. Uncle Joe is yep. paying for it entirely. Um, and a lot of these companies are doing things at cost. So it's, you know, it, it's safe, it's effective. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a thing just came out this week that shows the Pfizer vaccine is 100% perfect, uh, effective for those 12 to 15 years old, and that's important. I've got a 15-year-old yep. daughter. I'm hoping soon we'll be able to get her, her Fauci ouchies, uh, and then we can relax. My mom. Thankfully, it's been more than a couple of weeks since her second shot. So, you know, she's across the finish line there, which is nice because when you're 80, this kind of thing is not something you want to play around with. Um, but I'll tell you, right. I've had, you know, I've known people who've had harsher reactions to a tetanus shot, okay, um, yeah. as far as arm pain goes. It's really, it's really easy. It doesn't hurt. And it, it's just worth the peace of mind because I'll tell you, folks, We've got to slow this down. We've got to stop the transmission because the more people who get infected by coronavirus, by COVID-19, the more opportunities it's going to have to mutate inside of people's bodies into something that maybe the vaccines don't work so much against and we're going to have to get a booster. But, you know, we can avoid that. We can avoid that eventuality if people just get the goddamn shot. And it's not, yeah. it doesn't have any fucking microchips. Let me tell you, anybody listening to this, none of you are important mm-hmm. enough to microchip. And besides, if they want to trace where you're going, nine times out of ten, you guys are probably commenting on the Facebook post from your phone. And do, 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 there's your GPS chip right there. They're not going to waste an extra one putting one in a vaccine for you. Uh, and all the bullshit that the anti-vaxxers spread around is not going to make you infertile. Uh, there are no nanobots in it. I was kind of hoping that I would get a free 5G upgrade on my phone through my shop without having to buy a new phone, but God damn it, it just didn't work. Uh, so just, you know, get the fucking shot, people. Don't be, don't be an idiot. Don't be an asshole. Because I'll tell you, you can look on the map, okay? You take a look at the Great Lakes, and you take a look at the coronavirus infection rates, and in Michigan, they are bright red. They're having a horrible time mm-hmm. because their Republican legislature overrode the governor's veto and passed a bill to undo all of their guidelines for all of their businesses. Just everybody go out and pretend nothing happened, and they've got the worst infection rate in the Great Lakes region. Uh, it's still with yeah. us, and even though the rates are going down, even though you're not hearing about the high daily death tolls and that kind of stuff, People are still getting sick. People are still dying. The only way we're ever going to get out of this is for everybody to get the goddamn vaccine. And don't tell me anything about like, oh, well, I'm diabetic. I can't get it. There's a list of about, it's a short list of maybe a dozen things that people might have that tell them that they cannot, their bodies won't tolerate that vaccine. They're the ones who are allowed to skip it because we kind of don't want them to die. And their underlying health problems could hurt them. But it's a very small you're talking very small part of the population, folks. We're talking about mm-hmm. the kind of thing. You're talking about the kind of thing that's almost infinitesimal. You probably don't know anybody with one of these maladies. Nothing genuine. Okay, talk to your doctors. They're going to tell you get the goddamn shot. Just get the goddamn shot. 
because, God damn it, I want to have full Starwood again sometime. And they're looking at a yeah. hybrid event this year as possible. They've been talking about it on their Facebook page. But I still want a full goddamn Starwood. And if I'm going to get that in 2022, we're going to do it only if we lick this thing now. And we can't fuck around. So get the goddamn right. shot, uh, shot fuckers. Uh, <laughs> I liked what you said on the Starwood page about, because I took the poll as well, having been a, yeah. a participant in Starwood. And I, I'm with you 100% on everything you wrote. Um, it's not, yeah, but, I, I agree, it may not be the time right now to to do an in-person anything. I'm not secure yet, um, and I'm concerned that we need to have a lot more people vaccinated before we can act as though things are semi-normal. I mean, it's great right. that the rollout is happening, and it's happening faster and faster, and Uncle Joe's <clears throat> ahead of schedule. But the fact of the matter is, is that for the people who are not legitimately able to get the vaccination, it's even more important that the rest of us get it to protect you. So, yes, you know, I think the the rate of people getting vaccinated needs to still be higher before we start planning anything this year. And, you know, certainly all of my hopes are for next year to do in-person events again. You know? Exactly. And I'll, t- and I'll tell you, too that anybody who does any – see, one thing that me and my wife are talking about, once we move, we want to move to a place that has, you know, maybe an acre at least in the backyard. We want to have some big parties. But we're going to start off having vaccinated parties where we're going to find all of our vaccinated friends and say, hey, come on, we're not going to have anyone unvaccinated in the general party area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just so we can relax and have a good time. But that's really the only kind of gatherings anybody should be doing right now is vaccinated yeah. gatherings because you know what and that's one of the nice things once you get the jabs once you get the full immunity once you go two weeks first just past your second uh pfizer or moderna jab or two weeks past your soul johnson and johnson jab then you can get together with other vaccinated people and you know hang out without having to worry about shouting across the room or worried about airflow mm-hmm. currents and all that crap so that's a big benefit to getting the goddamn shot uh, and I definitely think that yeah. any gatherings that anybody has, uh, even if they do a hybrid event where they have some live camping, I really think it's got to be vaccinated only because, come on, folks, we're the we're the magical uh, and pagan communities. This isn't Florida. This isn't Texas. You know, we really, mm-hmm. our ethics towards life do not really allow us to play fast and loose with other people's lives just because we're fucking bored. So I think that, you know, uh, keep avoiding your gatherings until you're fully vaccinated and then make sure you only go to gatherings uh, where there are vaccinated people there. Uh, just because mm-hmm. that's, that, that's the only way that we're going to get out of this is if we keep being smart and doing things smart. Agreed. Agreed. I, um, I'm encouraged that a lot of people are, are really happy about getting it. And uh, I oh, just yeah. want to see that continue. I really do. I, I think, um, as a matter of fact, I'm planning a trip uh, upstate here in North Carolina with vaccinated friends. You know, a, a bunch of folks right. and, and I are kind of on similar vaccination schedules, and we figure by June we're good to go. So I'm going to be coming <laughs> up to Asheville pretty soon. So, yeah, right. I will be up there over the summer, you know, because we will be – uh, surrounded by our friends who are vaccinated, we're going to have a good time. So, yeah, check it out. We're going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you that when we get this new place and we set it up the way we want to, we are going to be having the mother of all Halloween bashes this year. So uh, nice. uh, you're going to you're gonna have to see if you can arrange a trip up because I'll tell you, we're going we're gonna to be putting in a pool, a hot tub. We're going to be doing this up because, so, you know, we figure if you build it, <laughs> they will come. Uh, so... Wow, cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm looking for my invitation already. <laughs> All right, sure. Mm. All and right, now, let's get into it. Let's get into uh, it. <laughs> oh, my God, this is just so fun. It's, I am having such a good time watching the news these days because, I mean, Matt Gates. Let's talk about Matt Gates. Right. Matt Gates. The guy who looks, <laughs> the, the guy who even more than Donald Trump Jr. Matt Gates looks like a butthead stunt double from MTV. 
Uh, he really looks like the bad guy in every 80s teen comedy that ever was. Okay, that's Matt Gates. True. And Matt, Matt True. Gates is, 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 is proven to be in a little bit of hot water, and he's in hot water that his Republican friends don't really feel like getting him out of. That's an important thing that we learned today. Uh, because basically, there's this guy, okay, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's okay because he's pretty insignificant, except that he was one of those Republican candidates who got into the job and decided that they were going to turn it into, I don't fucking know, House of Cards, the home game, I don't know. But this guy becomes the tax collector in a Florida county and immediately starts doing things like encouraging his employees to wear guns to work in case angry taxpayers attack them. Um, now, mind you, this isn't, this isn't where they go after people who owe back taxes. This is like the office where you pay your fee to get your hunting license or to get your fishing license. It's that kind of collector type of situation. And this guy wound up having to resign because he was indicted on federal corruption charges. He, you know, embezzled money. He bought all kinds of crap. And then it turns out as they're poking into all this guy's illegal shit, it turns out that he was running a little bit of a sex trafficking business, uh, locating women online who are willing to trade sex for goods and or cash through sites like SugarDaddy.com and that kind of stuff. And he would arrange for them to fly across state lines to meet up with uh, party bigwigs who wanted to get laid. Uh, and Matt Gates was one of his customers. Now, there's a, there's a certain problem. Um, being an interstate pimp is actually a, against federal law. And I don't care what you think about prostitution laws. I'm kind of of the opinion that, you know, the only people who benefit from prostitution being illegal are johns and pimps, and that's it. Uh, but still, it, when it's coming down to uh, being basically an interstate pimp, that's against federal law. But then when they dig a little closer, they find out that this Republican tax collector guy with his side sex mm -hmm. trafficking business was arranging for the transport of a 17-year-old girl across state lines for Matt Gates to have sex with. Um, and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what the age of consent in any particular state is, uh, and even in the states he's dealing with, the age difference between him and a 17-year-old would at least be gross sexual imposition on a minor. But the fact that it was mm -hmm. transported across state lines makes it a federal sex trafficking, <laughs> child sex trafficking charge. And that uh -huh. right there is now, and that is what Matt Gates is warming up to get charged with because we all know Merrick Garland's not going to cover for him the way some of the other AGs would have. But really, when it comes down to it, even other AGs like Bill Barr may not have covered for him, because it turns out that Matt Gates is one of these obnoxious guys who goes around telling everyone about all the laws he breaks, figuring that because he's a hotshot politician who's on Fox News all the time, that nobody can touch him. So he's bragging about all the illegal drugs that he's done. And we're not talking weed. We're talking cocaine. We're talking ecstasy. all kinds of poppers, uh, ecstasy, yeah, yeah uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and he's talking about how he likes to have sex with lots of women, which, again, isn't a bad thing. But then he's like, yeah, I like them on the younger side. And that makes the creepazoid <laughs> alarm go ding, 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 ding. And a lot of Republicans <laughs> in the conference don't fucking like the guy. I mean, he's more disliked than Ted Cruz. I didn't think that was possible. But they really Me don't either. like him. And and when all when this news started to break, especially about the minor angle, the number one reaction from Republicans on the Hill was, yeah, sounds believable, sounds right. I totally believe that about him. And these are his allies. These are his friends. Um, so, yeah, Matt's going down. Uh, you know, Matt, you know, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Matt is going to flame out. They're not going to protect him. Uh, there's no way that Kevin McCarthy is going to, you know, make his stand, ride or die on Matt Gates. 
because not enough no. of the other people in the conference really give two shits about him. And they know that he's from a conservative enough state. He's going to get replaced with somebody who's going to vote just the way the Republicans want them to, but they're not going to have the yeah. obnoxious frat boy factor. So, yeah, that's Gates yeah. is going down. Um, what more? Um, there are now three grand juries investigating Donald Trump, one in New York State that no. now has eight years' worth of his tax returns. Um, yep. Uh, and, and, and two separate grand juries in the state of Georgia are now uh-huh. investigating Donald Trump. Uh, the DA uh, in uh, Atlanta, and that is the Atlanta area, has just hired a, uh, a top racketeering lawyer to look into all of mm-hmm. this. And, and uh, the uh, AG of the uh, state of New York uh, has just brought on uh, one of the guys who took down John Gotti in their investigation of the Trump crime family. And they're looking at everything. Nice. They've, got eight, they've got eight years' worth of taxes. They've got Don Jr.'s uh-huh. taxes. They've got Eric's. They've got Ivanka's taxes. Uh, and just the discrepancies between those will probably wind up leading to a federal tax evasion charge. But that's just a happy accident that the state can give to the IRS after they're done with the Trump crime family. I mean, literally, the guy who took out Gotti is now the one who's aiming at Trump and his cronies. So, uh, uh-huh. and those are just the ones we know about. There are rumors right now that there could be uh, grand juries in the state of Arizona looking into some of the calls that were made out there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's it's, talk, again, I, I wanted, I wanted to talk a little <laughs> bit about um, the Georgia, the, the law in Georgia that Brian Kemp just signed uh, to basically – uh, it, you know, as Stacey Abrams put it, Jim Crow with a suit and a tie. Um, let's talk right. about that a little bit and, and what's going to be done to stop this insanity from from being an actual law. Yeah. Well, the, th- the thing, what they're going to, right now what the strategy is, is called the Indiana strategy. And this is something that happened when Mike Pence was governor of Indiana and he signed that uh, – you can't say gay law, uh, one of the extremely harsh anti-gay law. And basically, Indiana was bled by corporate interests. Basically, everybody canceling their business interests in the state started to hurt to the mm-hmm. point where even the legislature was like, okay, I guess we fucked up. We better take care of this. Uh, and now the pressure campaign is on in Georgia. Um, the pressure campaign is on against the masters, against every. Literally, everybody is saying, yes, everybody divest from Georgia. Everybody GTFO uh, of Georgia uh, for the time being, and that is the the strategy right now. And it's going to be effective because the one thing that people forget is that, yeah, the white nationalists and the hardcore uh, homophobes have the, the, the calm in the Republican Party right now, to use an old Star Trek phrase, but a lot of that party was built on moneyed interest, on corporate moneyed interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't fool yourselves, folks. When people say, well, corporations give to both parties, yeah, they do. They'll give a token $10,000 to the Democratic National Committee, and then they'll give $100 million to the Republicans. It's pretty easy to see where their main investment has been in. And when it's stuff like right. this, when it's stuff Alabama, I mean, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to say Alabama. I meant Atlanta is such a growing business. Mm-hmm. It is really one of the few economic bright spots in the entire South because, let's face it, if the South wasn't a part of the United States, it would be a third-world nation. They are really that poor because they basically untax themselves to the point where they have to survive on handouts from the federal government, which means that people who live in blue states like New York and California, you're picking up the tab. Uh, so they're, they're already infamously debtor states. But the thing is, is that there are a few areas of economic growth, bright spots, that the corporate interests are really wanting to nurture and really wanting to make grow. And even though they would prefer politics to be a certain way, the most important thing to these corporations are their bottom line. And when the actions of the Georgia legislature starts causing the moneyed interests in the state to start losing money and start losing money noticeably, 
then they're going to be making mm-hmm. phone calls. And even if the legislature doesn't want to do anything about it, trust me, that a corporate interest will be able to fund AstroTurf campaigns to drum to hold recall elections if they need to. They could really make life miserable for the Republicans in the state government. Uh, and also people are finding loopholes, like the way that they wrote the law, uh, where they make it illegal mm-hmm. to hand water out to people who are standing in line. Uh, a couple of lawyers have said, yeah, the way it's written, uh, you could give away Gatorade because it's not water. You could give away, uh, you know, Diet Coke. You could give away LaCroix because it's carbonated. It's a carbonated <laughs> beverage. It's not just considered water. Seriously. Okay. Remember, folks, when you're dealing yeah. with white nationalists, you're not dealing with the sharpest crayons in the pack. You know, they're the people who say, yeah, we got to stop them from giving water to all these people growing out to vote. And it's like, okay, water. And it's like... The state already defines what beverages can be sold as water and what can't. Every state has these definitions so that you can't just, you know, load something filled with sugar and carbonation and call it health water. Uh, So literally, when you write something like water in the law and you don't define it, then you have to look at other parts Mm -hmm. of the state code to see what's defined as water. And Gatorade is not. So it's just – Wow. And the fact – yeah. And so – there's a, there's a multi-prong approach going on against this, but we've got to keep it up. We can't relax. We've got to keep it going. We've got to keep the pressure campaign going. Anybody out there, if you are a fan of golf at all, make sure that the people who run the Masters know exactly how you feel. No, uh, no culture, basically, for Georgia until they get the fuck out of the 1950s politically, and that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm confident that we'll be able to Indiana this. Because, again, you know, it's funny because the right wing tries to do uh, boycotts. But the thing is they're usually boycotting shit that, they're ne- that they never used in the first place. Like, you know, when you've got mm-hmm. David Duke saying, we're boycotting BET Network. It's like, well, you know what? You crackers never fucking watched BET. So guess what? Their bottom line changes nothing. You know, so they always pick right. these weird targets. But, you know, when we on the left, when we're like, yeah, you know what? Um, we buy a lot of motherfucking Coke and Pepsi, so Coke and Pepsi better not be sponsoring any events down in Georgia. That notices Mm -hmm. because we do consume this stuff, uh, and so it's really effective. So, again, tell businesses, do not do business in Georgia. And if you do, we're going to punish you by not buying your shit. And let me tell you, the economy is still super shaky right now for some of these companies. They're trying to crawl out of the 2020 hole. Uh, we can make it effective. Yeah. We can make it hurt, and we have to, because the faster we can do it, the fat, the the more comprehensive the repeal can be. Wow. So, what do you think is going to happen in the midterms? Are we going to lose seats or gain seats? House, Senate, what's happening there? Well, I'll tell you. <clears throat> I can tell you my basic. Uh, armchair political scientist take on things, and then I'll tell you what I think is really going to happen. Okay, um, because there is, the, yeah, because there, there, there's a certain factor going on here uh, that a lot of people have got to keep in mind. But uh, the standard, the standard conventional wisdom take would be, well, it's traditional for the president's party to not. Sorry, that sounded too much like Mitch McConnell. I got to change that. Hold on. Uh, yeah. I only want to use my Mitch McConnell voice where I'm saying things like, oh, look at the burning orphanage. Yay. But anyway, um, it's like, you know, it's, it's, the, the basic pundit line would be the president's party usually loses seats in the midterms. Uh, the Democrats can try to mitigate it as much as they can. But yada, 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 whatever scandal we want people to pay attention to. And let me tell you something. Joe's press conference really has made anybody who's not MSNBC just look like a complete fucking idiot. Uh, Joe was on point. He was smart. He was sharp. He was well-briefed. And they kept wanting to ask him about the 2024 election. He's wanting to talk about coronavirus and rescuing the economy. And they're saying, but who do you think will run against you? It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, people. But anyway. Um, yeah. They, but the, I'll tell you, that's the conventional wisdom, but there are ways to buck the conventional wisdom. Uh, George W. Bush actually showed a way to buck the conventional wisdom in a very evil way uh, during the uh, 2004 presidential election uh, because all the terms said that, you know, 
Well, basically, he busted conventional wisdom by gaining seats in the midterms in 2002 by playing up fears of terrorism. Um, and he wasn't right. able to buck a trend there. Uh, Bill Clinton bucked the, bucked the trend in uh, 1998 uh, because uh, his, his party actually gained seats in the midterms in 98 because people were pissed off over the Republican show trial impeachment of Bill Clinton. Um, and yeah. so there, it's not a written in stone thing that the president's party always loses seats in midterm elections. Yeah, it's usually a safe bet to expect it in normal political times. But, folks, what we used to think of as normal political times, fuck it, forget it. It's not coming back. Uh, we have one party entirely in the white supremacist, anti-democracy, seize power any way possible camp, and we've got the other party, the one currently holding the White House, who actually wants to fucking govern and uh, help people's lives. So it's through the looking glass. We are in uncharted territory, and there are two big reasons why uh, I think that we could do quite well in the midterms. I think we could actually pick up a couple, not a lot, but if we pick up one Senate seat, that gives us a lot more breathing room. If we pick up a handful, like five House seats, and, you know, in the end when everything is subtracted and all that, that again gives you more breathing room to get this legislation that we need to get through through. Now, the two things that I think that are going to really help us bust the conventional wisdom are, are one, Joe Biden's policies are extremely popular. Uh, they are more popular than any of Donald Trump's policies, and they're more popular than a lot of Barack Obama's policies, because even though they're very similar, these are being presented by a white guy. And so in this country, mm -hmm. that does play a role, even in the Democratic Party, folks. I don't want to get into a big digression now, but one of these days, we're going to have to have a talk about the remaining racism and the rampant misogyny that's still in the Democratic Party. But I digress. Um, the thing is, is that Joe's policies are extremely popular. And Republicans are coming out on record as opposing every single one of them, uh, even when uh, the Democrats included something like the $3,000 additional child tax credit. That's something that Mitt Romney championed. Uh, he still voted against it. Because you, can, you cannot have anything that Joe Biden says is good go through. But again, since the perspective is different, since the underlying racism in our country and on the left isn't as easily triggered by an old white guy, uh, the policies are way more popular than we've seen in quite some time. And popular policies, ones that are – and let's face it, what are the Republicans going to run against? They're going to say, yeah, everybody got vaccinated and you got – stimulus money and we reduce childhood poverty they reduce childhood poverty by a third um aren't you mad i mean it's it's kind of more difficult now of course the rabid right-wing base they're going to oppose everything just because they want to try to seize power again so they can have their own beer hall pooch the people that you've got to watch are the suburban republicans or the suburban former republicans because they've been losing hundreds of thousands of people from the republican party since January 6th. Uh, but they're still Republican-leaning as far as their feelings on spending and all that stuff. Uh, and these folks, some of them voted for Joe, but in Georgia at least, plenty of them stayed home and didn't vote for the Republican, and that allowed us to take Georgia. Uh, the, 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 the active suppression of the vote that uh, Donald Trump did by telling everybody it's rigged, it's rigged. It worked. He suppressed his own vote and helped Make sure that the both Senate races went the Democrats' way. Um, so it's like it, it's going to be – Joe's going to have a record that's very, very hard to run against. Uh, and so that's mm -hmm. job number one. And thing number two that's going to give us a much better perspective on the midterms is you just know that the Republican Party is going to nominate some of the most batshit – Disconnected from reality, Bond villain caricatures, henchmen of the Joker candidates we have ever seen in American politics. Okay, these are people who are going to make Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene look like fucking Nancy Pelosi in, in, as far as stature. They're going to be nominating people who literally will cackle in the middle of a speech. I am predicting this. 
I am predicting someone who mm-hmm. goes all the way to the I'll get you and your little dog too, my pretty level of cartoon villainy. And these are the people who they are going to nominate because these are the people who are going to kiss Donald Trump's ass and he is going to do what he can to make sure that these people, even primary stable Republicans, to throw more cases into chaos. Uh, because he doesn't like the mainstream. He's not going to like it when they kick his buddy Matt Getz out of Congress. He's not going to be happy about that. Um, and he is going to go, I predict that Donald Trump is going to go on a rampage against certain people. And the people who get mm-hmm. who win the primaries are going to be, these are going to be people who would be hard to elect in backwoods Louisiana. They're so, mm-hmm. they're going to be just so cartoony. And that right there, I mean, there have been multiple times in the last 20 years that Republicans have snatched victory, have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, such yeah. as the, the, such as, uh, what's his name, that one guy in his whole legitimate rape routine. Uh, yeah, that played oh, really well in Missouri. Um, mm-hmm. So much so that after, after some of the missteps in the 2012 race, I remember one of uh, George Bush's old allies, I can't remember her name now, but uh, a rather formidable woman. She was very, very smart. And she actually said at one point, if a candidate says anything about rape other than to say it's a terrible thing, I'm going to rip his tongue out personally. So, uh, and they've done this before. Let me tell you something. The people who did the missteps on rape, they're going to seem like Rhodes fucking scholars compared to the people who are going to be nominated in 2022. Uh, because the, 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 the party faithful had convinced themselves that the only reason why they haven't been able to win more races is because they're not like Trump enough. And, oh, boy, that makes me cackle thinking that there are people taking that thought seriously. So I am I'm saying watch and see. Um, Joe's, yeah. Joe's keeping doing policies that are really fucking popular. Um, and, you know, when you're at 65% as a modern president, that's doing pretty fucking good. Okay. Um, so, and he's at six in the high 60s. His policies are in the high 60s. That's a great place to position. And if we keep this right. up, if we keep the, and especially if they wind up, and I think I have an idea on how they're going to nuke the filibuster. But if they nuke the filibuster, all bets are off. I would I would advise Republicans to break now and form a new party uh, the minute that they the Democrats get rid of the filibuster that the Republicans have been using. Uh, because once that happens, <laughs> there's a fuck ton of shit that's going to get passed really fast. Really? Mm-hmm. Popular stuff, too, think- like... Uh, yeah, like infrastructure repair, like Joe Biden has a plan to replace every lead pipe in America. And mm-hmm. that's an investment in the future. Of, that's an investment in the future to bring down health care costs, to bring down uh, education costs for children who have gone through lead poisoning and wind up needing a lot of help just to sometimes function uh, at a level that they can live on their own in society. Um, it saves money mm-hmm. on every part. And it's just the right fucking thing to do. And Joe's a decent enough guy that he can just say, look, it's the right thing to do, folks. And it's going to convince, especially when it's like, we're going to keep little kid babies from getting lead poisoning. It's, again, it's hard to argue against that, especially since you can easily prove just by looking at the economics that will save enough money in health care to pay for it multiple times over. And so we're, we're talking yeah. good bread and butter programs like that, basic shit to improve the lives of everyday people and, you know, and, and, and let me tell you something. Every $100 that's invested in replacing outdated uh, plumbing systems brings about $105 in economic activity. Uh, extending the food stamps for the rest of the summer like they did. For every dollar in food stamps that, are, that is spent, we get $1.20 in economic benefit out of it because of the way it reverberates through the multiple layers of society and through the tax code. I mean, literally, when you're, you know, because food stamp money is spent locally, it's spent in local grocery stores and that kind of stuff. I mean, there's just all Mm -hmm. this stuff that is common sense. It's the right thing to do, and it stimulates the economy in ways that people really can't can't think of. There are so few things that we can do where for every dollar we spend, we get a dollar twenty back in economic development. But food stamps is like that. We've got that for the rest of the summer. 
So, and there's talks about bringing, uh, about doing recurring stimulus payments uh, for everybody who, you know, makes under a half a million dollars a year until the worldwide pandemic is declared over, just to make sure that people can afford to, you know, not go under during, because the economy is going to take a while to recover from this. I mean, the fact that we have areas like Texas, Florida, and Michigan that are spiking their numbers because, you know, the Republicans in those states really want to kill as many people as they can before uh, we end this pandemic. Um, That's just, you know, that's going to cause things in states, in those states and states all around them. This kind of stuff spills over. Um, Yeah. It's going to keep the economy shaky for a while. And so, but doing the stuff that we can to stimulate in ways we can that doesn't explode the deficit uh, and really, right now, we can't worry about the fucking debt. We can worry about the debt when times are good. See, that's the thing. That's, that's mm-hmm. one, of the, one, of the, one of the big mistakes that people took was the European, the German idea, that when times are tough, you cut back. And when times are good, you spend more, because that's what a household does. But that's not what a country does. That's not what a country should do, not if they want to have a vibrant economy. Because the government is the only entity in most countries that can spend money and go into debt without it destroying them like it would for a business. So what it, you know, basic Keynesian economics tells you is that when times are tough, the government can spend more to support the economy. And then when the economy rebounds and starts making more money again, that's when you can cut back on programs and spending because you're probably going to have the kind of uh, uprising in the public sector to make up for the decrease in spending. Uh, you know, you'll have the bubble in the private sector to make up for the decrease in spending in the public sector and by the government. And it's very, very basic. Right. And countries that do that really don't have a problem getting through times like this. And that is the kind of ethos that Joe Biden's economic team has brought to the government, to the executive branch. Uh, help people out when they need help. When they're doing better and they don't need the help, then we don't need to give them the money. Uh, although, let me tell you this. If we wind up having 9 to 12 months of regular stimuli- stimulus payments for everybody, that, for a lot of people, that is disposable income that they've never had in their lives. I mean, think about this. $2,000 right. a month, that's $24,000 a year. I know lots of people who've never made $24,000 a year. Uh, and so for people mm-hmm. like that, ha- having that on top of anything they can make, that's more spendable income than they may have had in their entire life. And that pumps the economy up to ridiculous events. I am predicting right now if we can get nine months of recurring stimulus payments, I don't think they're going to stop it. I think the economy is going to be revving at such a high rate from all this disposable income people have that the corporate interests are going to go to their government lackeys and say, don't you dare take that money away from these people. They're giving it all to me. They're making me richer. So, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of more the European, that, that, that's, that's a more European attitude uh, towards, uh, you know, taxation and all that. But it really... I think that I predict that if, if we were to have a regular thing where we had a, a universal basic income, uh, even for a temporary time, I just think that it would make the economy just, you know, recover in ways and really expand in ways that we could never imagine. Do you think there's any any stomach to do that, though? I think there is because uh, right now a lot of people are like, yeah, $1,400, 2000 yeah, I'll take it. I need it. I have you know, stuff from last year. I may have spent time out of work last year. I have debt I need to pay down. A lot of people are, real, again, really popular. And also, there was a poll done recently on various issues. And one of the ones that was polled was universal basic income. And when talking about a basic form of universal basic income, uh, basically to get people just above the poverty line, uh, 89% of Democrats liked it. 74% of Republicans thought it was a good idea, um, which is kind of surprising. But the things that universal basic income, the way that one of the reasons why certain people who voted Republican like it is, one, everybody gets the same amount of money. It doesn't matter, you know, if you make 100 bucks a year or 100000 bucks a year, you still get the same $2,000 like stimulus does. Um, but also... Mm-hmm. Um, they like it because when it's put towards the idea that universal basic income would basically replace the welfare state. We wouldn't need to worry about Section 8 housing and food stamps so much if, we, if everybody got $2,000 in cash every month. 
uh, you would be able to replace vast bureaucracy. We would actually save mm-hmm. money giving every American $2,000 a month. We would save money over our current system. So we could spend less as a country and give everybody more money to be able to spend. The CEO of Subway has said the only thing standing in the way of him making record profits is the fact that his customers don't have enough money to spend on his sub sandwiches. So, you know, he gets it. Other people get it. We can, we can transform the welfare state. We can completely eliminate anybody living under the poverty line. Uh, and we can do it in a way that saves us money. So, again, not a bad thing. You just have to know how to sell it. And when you talk to a regular or a small government Republican and say, hey, how would you like to find a way where you could get an extra $2,000 every single month, we could get rid of the welfare state, uh, and uh, we could wind up pumping hundreds of thousands of dollars into private industry through consumer spending. And it's like uh, a lot of them have a hard time saying no. So, I mean, the guys who are millionaires might say no, but your average Republican who's, like, making six figures but still thinks they're going to make seven figures someday, they like that plan Mm -hmm. because it's fair. They get it, too, and it saves money, and it gets rid of a lot of uh, bureaucratic waste that they're convinced is right through the system. And I'm not saying they're wrong in some states, but, again, it's a win-win. It would save us money, and it would make everybody's standard of living far better. I wish Mitch McConnell would support something like that because without his buy-in, it seems like a lot of things just don't go through. Oh, well, let me tell you about the filibuster reform that uh, I think that we're going to start seeing word about. So we've had a couple of people uh, from uh, the the old conservative wing, the only two that are left in the Senate, uh, Joe Manchin and what's her name? I can't remember her name right now. Um, I almost said Mark Christensen. Yeah, cinema. cinema. Um, yeah, I almost I almost called uh, Joe Manchin Mark Warner. Uh, so anyway, um, but no, um, the, they've staked out a position that it's kind of hard to get out of. But I think I'm going to see a real easy thing uh, happening very soon. One of two things is going to happen: either you're going to get a Republican who's nervous about getting primaried in 2022, who's going to want to try to jump parties. Because uh, I'll tell you, the first thing that Chuck Schumer is going to say to anybody who wants to jump parties is, number one cost of entry, you have to be willing to vote to end the filibuster. And then you might get someone mm-hmm. like Manchin or Cinema in favor of it, because if they're, if they're on the verge of being made irrelevant, if we don't need their votes, we can do it without them. That's the last thing. They don't want irrelevancy. They're holding on to this because mm-hmm. it's the only, the only leverage that they have in a party that's getting increased in, in increasingly liberal and progressive. Um, but if they're told that they could be made irrelevant, that could be enough to swing them. But the other thing is, is that people are working on them right now to basically reform the filibuster to where if you want a filibuster, it has to be a talking filibuster. You have to have somebody from your party at that podium every second of every day. And when you stop talking, the filibuster's over and everyone gets to vote. Um, because let me tell you something, a lot of this stuff is way too easy for Republicans to vote against uh, or just to not yeah. vote for closure. They can just vote to not bring it to a vote. Uh, they can prevent things from happening by preventing things from happening. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. but the thing is, if it has to be a spoken thing, then you get to have video that in the next election gets to say, here's your congressman filibustering to make sure that children still drank lead-infested water in your neighborhood. Here's a Republican mm-hmm. filibustering to make sure that uh, baby food wasn't as closely regulated as it should be. I mean, the, the, the ads would be vicious, and a lot of these guys don't have the stomach to stand up there and talk. We've had stunt filibusters like that, 12 hours, 24 hours, mm-hmm. sometimes 48 hours, but not beyond that. And Chuck Schumer's a patient guy. He's like, yeah, we'll see how long it is before you guys give up. Go ahead, talk. And that's something that Manchin and Cinema could get behind. That's, that means that mm-hmm. a filibuster would be a rare thing because most of those Republicans, mm-hmm. they don't want to put their name on that level of opposition of ridiculously popular policies. So, uh, oh, and real quick, I noticed that we're, we're getting on here in time. Um, there is a book coming out 
by John Boehner, the former Speaker of the House, Republican congressman from Ohio. I saw an excerpt today. I've got to read this fucking book. It sounds so much fun because, you know, Boehner is an old fan. He was more of a Bob Dole Republican. He never really liked having to deal with the Freedom Caucus guys. Uh, and when he starts talking about Ted Cruz, uh, especially because Cruz played hell in his House caucus. Uh, he just says mm-hmm. that, you know, the worst kind of person is the kind of asshole who thinks they know everything but doesn't know jack shit. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Ted Cruz. I mean, literally, he's yeah. that vicious with him. Uh, and it's it's wonderful mm-hmm. because you can just picture John Bader sitting back with a cigarette, with a cigar and a glass of scotch laughing as he's, like, typing this shit out. But <laughs> <laughs> I have to read this book. Uh, this just sounds too much fun. <laughs> It sounds like it. I used to have visions that he and Barack Obama would go out back in the Rose Garden when nobody was around and have a cigarette and actually talk to each other. And they did, too. And it really uh, really pissed Barack off that they'd talk and they'd get along so well, but when it came to policy, they had the, you know, the, 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 the red line, you know, that if, if Obama was for it, Republicans had to be against it, including voting against their own bills just because Barack Obama said something nice about them. Uh, but yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Barack Ridiculous. Obama is so funny. It's so funny. It's like we've gone, you know, we've gone from, uh, you know, from, you know, like presidential aides like uh, Jimmy Carter's chief of staff who hit on the roof with Willie Nelson to smoke a joint. And then we get to Barack Obama have to go and hide from his wife to have a cigarette. Uh, because, because that was the deal. He, that was the deal he made with Michelle. If I run for president, I quit smoking. So uh, she'd been trying right. to get him to quit for years. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, Bill, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton had to hide coffee and donuts, and Barack had to hide cigarettes. But yeah, uh. everybody's got a secret. Um, since we are so close to the end of the show, please give folks another rundown on where they can find you and your stuff and the swag. Right, TallisonG.com, the brand new TallisonG.com. Uh, I have a great. I, I, I'm still building the site. So right now I've got an old-fashioned Starfield background from my GeoCities days up there. Um, so it's a little bit of a kind of a nostalgic thing, but I've got all my books available there. Uh, Dark of Moon, actually, I'm going to have to find a new place to print that because they're not doing uh, – Amazon isn't doing print-on-demand DVDs anymore. They're only going to do streaming video. Oh. So to do DVDs for Dark of Moon, I'm going to have to find a new uh, manufacturer, but I will let everyone know when I have that. But right now, go to TallisonG.com. Uh, you can go. You can find links to buy the ebook for both the Sorceress and the Witch, books one and two of the Sorceress Saga. If you get an autographed paperback copy of the Witch uh, right now, you click on that, and you will get a free swag pack, which will have two bookmarks and two full color reproductions of the book covers of both the Witch uh, and the Sorceress. Uh, and you know, and these bookmarks are really cool. And also. Anybody out there who is listening in Radioland who is a store owner, specifically a pagan store owner, go ahead and contact me because there's a way that you can get uh, copies of these very pagan books that have real Wiccan and Druid rituals in them with a lot of fantasy and vampires and naked fae, but I digress. Um, You can get these (laughs) books in there and you can get a way where you can get some free bookmarks uh, or postcard reproductions of the book covers to either give away to your – to your customers when they buy a book or if you want to sell them for, they cost a dollar on the website, whatever you want to do, you buy wholesale from me of these books and I will give you free swag that you can use to, uh, you know, say, Hey, buy the book and get the bookmark for free. I'll even sign every book if you want to sell autographed copies. So go ahead and contact me on talisong.com. There's an email, uh, talison.author at gmail.com where you can contact me for business inquiries as well. Wonderful. Well, Talison, once again, thank you so much for joining me for another fantastic first Friday of the month. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing what develops. Um, yes. You know, uh, just just before we go, um, do you have anything you want to say about the Capitol incident that happened today? Because I noticed we didn't even think about that. I have not – I've been – I've had a lot of things going on right now, uh, including a few family okay. things. So I'm so behind on the news. I would really need to read up on it. I am. I saw a headline and then I had to rush off to do something else. 
So, all right. Well, we will get to that next month, and hopefully, there will be more information by the time we hit the air. All right, Tom. Everything Thank will shake you out by so then, much. Then. All right. Yes. Thank you, and everybody out there in Internet Land, I will see you next month, the same bat time on the same bat station. Talison out. All right. Everybody, I will be back tomorrow afternoon with the amazing Sasha Graham. We will be talking about her new offering um, about tarot and magic. So I'm very much looking forward to that. See you at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Have a great night.